feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up. You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. Hey, Twist the uh, Now look, here's a house full of bees. Like you think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. I grew up a uh, uh, 80s metal kid and obsessed with playing guitar and just just woodshedding in my room, just yeah. learning to shred. Yeah. Just like, I got to learn to shred. I'd be like one of those like metal shredders. And then you get older and you get exposed to more music and everything. And then he came back around and was like, I'm going to learn how to shred again because I haven't, you know, it's been so long. Uh, not that I was ever like a legit shredder, but <clears throat> you're up there. You listen to bluegrass the banjo players is some of the most intense shredding that you'll ever hear it's insane how, yeah. how fast those guys guys play. are just hillbilly shredders yeah yeah that band too that was uh doyle lawson quicksilver mm-hmm. and they pride themselves on shredding well not just first and foremost the vocals in that band yeah it's like they every, there's a award. I used to be kind of into bluegrass, right. and there's an award every year for best vocal group. And yeah, they pretty much like renamed it the Doyle Lawson Award because they would win it every single year. <laughs> and but on top of that, their musicianship was yeah. outstanding. Those guys fucking shredded. Yeah, the bluegrass players and the country players. So I was like, I got really into like you're listening to Brad Paisley at all. A little bit. Like, insane guitar player. Really? And those 80s metal shredders were shredders, but they're hiding behind a stack of, like, distortion and effects and this huge, like, guitar tone. But you take these bluegrass guys are playing even just as fast or faster, but with acoustic guitars and banjos and mandolins. It's just incredible. Like, you right. have to play so cleanly and so precise to pull that that technique off. Yeah. And you're not hiding behind all this just kind of wall of noise. That's very Same, naked. Exactly. Sound, Same with the yeah. country stuff, like... Uh, Brad Paisley, and you got that Telecaster with that super snacky, uh, snappy high tone. It's mm-hmm. like there's no room for fucking sloppiness. Yeah. Like, I can rock some shredding, man, with a distortion pedal. You give me a acoustic guitar, uh, it's going to take a little work. Our buddy Sean used to own uh, the bar Amnesia mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Yeah, I remember that one. And every Monday night was bluegrass night. Yes. And after the band finished playing, he would have the Doyle Lawson sing-along. Really, and so he had this track, this this playlist of Doyle Lawson songs lined up, uh-huh. and uh, it was always the same playlist 
every week. So, and everyone would just gonna hang out and he, they'd put it on and the whole bar would sing along to Doyle Lawson. Nice. Like catalog, basically. It was, it was so much fun. That was a cool bar. I, I missed that place. Oh, God. It's, still, it's not still like, around, right? No. Yeah. No. I believe a different name and everything. I mean, the bar is still there, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, uh, you ever want to get into some good vocal heavy shredding bluegrass, <laughs> I recommend uh, all of Doyle Lawson's 7,000 songs. Um, I found, I don't know, it just kind of apropos of nothing. I just found this and it just kind of stood out to me. This is our fearless leader. When I was vice president, I flew over a million miles on Air Force Two. Trying to follow this. And I was uh, going home as a United States, uh, as vice president. One of the conductors said to me, hey, Joe, big deal. Million, whatever, 200. You said, you've you've traveled over a million miles on Amtrak. Hmm. How the hell do you know that? And they added it up at there. But folks, look, I made a thousand trips through this tunnel. So I've been through this tunnel a thousand times. Okay. That and, makes uh, sense. You know, but when folks talk about how badly the Baltimore Tunnel needs an upgrade, you don't need me to tell you. Mm. I've been there. And huh. you've been there, too. I also know that it's not just Amtrak. I know how important this tunnel is the computer rail, commu- computer rail, commuter rail, and mark rail back and forth to Washington. America's back, baby! Woo! Yeah, fucking nailed it, dude. Good job. Yeah. They must have really had him on some uh, some good drugs right there because he was just mm, on point. Hey, who's with me? China, you want some of this? You want some of this? All right, I see your Afghanistan? Biden. Afghanistan? No, wait, no, we don't talk about Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, no, uh, I'm bringing that up. Uh, Yemen? Yeah, uh, uh, Putin! Nord- Russia. Nord Stream okay. Pipe. No, no. <laughs> I see your Biden clip and I raise you this one, my friend. Uh, you thought that was bad. Have you heard what he's had to say about the uh, the women in his cabinet? I almost said cabinetry. Uh, is that what you call all of the of the the people in the the presidential cabinet? Is that the cabinetry? That makes sense. And their parents are called cabinet makers. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. More than half the women in my cabinet, more than, more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women on the, in my administration are women. Huh? Ah. Ah, that's pretty good, <laughs> right? <laughs> more than half of the women in his cabinet. More than half of the women, women. Or more than half are the women. More than half. <laughs> you know what? The way that this just insane, like, I don't know, dude, this weird Marxism truth deconstruction the world we're living in like i don't know did what he's is he correct like would someone correct me by saying that like i don't know like did he like what i'm saying is is i don't know maybe i'm having like an old guy moment but no like, i know i, no, I, I know like, exactly where you're coming from it's like it's, when i hear anything that has to do with gender anymore it's go like i don't know yeah, was, yeah. he might have meant to you say can, exactly like crazy gaff like i don't know was, was it a gaff yeah was it well and that's just one angle i mean it, is the whole thing a put on, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, did you hear, by the way, that uh, the emergency, uh, the COVID emergency is over? Uh, yeah, May 15th. No, yeah, in 19th. May. In or, May. Right around there, May, yeah. Yeah. We could tell. That makes... All of a sudden, we can predict... It's time to stop. What's happening. Yeah. yeah. The mask can come off. Uh, I seem to remember the president telling us, though, that the pandemic was over... Like a year ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, like six, six months ago. Six months ago. 
And then the White House had to quickly uh, correct that. Yeah, yeah, he misspoke. Unlike the um, more than half the women in his cabinet are women. Yeah. Yeah, so to your point, he could have meant that half, I mean, we know that one of the women in his cabinet is not a woman. Yeah. So he could have been giving us a little, like, dude, signal. Guys, guys, they're making me say this shit. I'm with you. Just over half the women in my cabinet are actually women. I, I, I'm not trying to be snarky when I would, cause I saw that clip and people were making fun of it. And I was, I, I honestly went like, I don't know. Is it like going over our head? And like, this is the new thing you're supposed to be saying. It's I mean, the no, guy. I'm, like nothing. I was listening to, uh, Adam Carolla a while back. And we were talking about, we were having this discussion about conspiracy theories and just going deep on stuff and stuff. We like, even absurd stuff. It's like fun to dive into, right? Because it it creates like a thought exercise. Because at the end of the day, like, how do you know what you really know, right? Is the things you find out that all these things that you taught were as fact growing up, like, man, that wasn't true. Or I, how come I wasn't told about the Gulf of Tonkin? You know what I mean? When I was a kid, or the sinking of the Lusitania, or all. It makes you question everything. It's like, okay, if there's this one source where my information is coming from, which is, would be just basically a government indoctrination camp. And I keep finding out that this, these things are false. It's like, I kind of have to question everything. If my kid lies about whether he was watching TV or not, I'm like, okay, did you, are you sure you cleaned your room? Do we need to go check that too? It's like, it's, it's not a negative thing. It's a healthy thing. It's skepticism. It's the notion of questioning everything. And when I see stuff like this, Biden clip, it, it just, I don't know. I guess I'm having a hard time finding the, finding the right like phrase for it. But just like, I feel like I just remove myself and I stand on the sidelines. I'm like, I'm just going to watch you guys have the conversation and see if just something that makes sense floats to the top. No, dude. And that is a rarer and rarer event. You're Nemo. And when in the Matrix, when he starts actually seeing the ones and zeros, you know, in front of him. Yes. It's that, that next level detachedness to everything that's going on. It just, nothing phases you anymore yes. in clown world. Exactly. You have, Dude, yeah, that's, that's what perfect, I was trying to say. Thank you. Yes. The perfect view, like detached view of what's going on. And you're like, maybe it's real. Maybe it's not. I don't trust anything. I yeah. mean, you could, my wife could come home one day and be like, honey, I've been working uh, with the, uh, it wouldn't even be the feds. I've been working with um, Medtronic for the last 20 years. I They actually uh, assigned me to be your wife. Uh, <laughs> I never actually loved you. Um, I only did this because it was my assignment. And now I'm actually stealing this straight from that uh, popular virus show that's out there right now. What is it? Uh, not the rest of us. The uh, Oh. Oh, the one with John Cusack. You brought it up, actually. Oh, that, I have, okay. Awesome. I hadn't heard of it when you yeah. brought it up, and then I, I watched the whole first season. Yeah. By the way, this is what's really interesting about these two okay. virus shows that are popular right now. You have, uh, what so is they're, that? They're documentaries. <laughs> well, so they're, what is the, the one is called The Rest of Us or? Uh, the Rest of Us. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. Which okay. is odd. I just got a text from my mom this morning. Yeah, and like I just watched a show. I think you might like it. Yeah, you check it out. And she bats a pretty high batting average. Uh, yeah, when suggesting movies to me. Okay, cool. So Jake, 
is familiar with it because of the video game. Um, I guess it's all based on a video game and he knows a lot about it. And every once in a while he sends us texts on that, uh, on that, on that vein. Um, and it's pretty, hold on a sec. I'm going to get me, um, a beer. Go on. The, it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting show. But it's interesting for one, for me, for one reason more than any other, and that is that it's about the government reaction right. to. And it's funny because I watch both shows at the same time, so I'm going to get them confused in my head. But it's about the government reaction to a virus, mm-hmm. and so is this other show. What's the one called with John Cusack? I don't know. Um, God, if only there's a way to find out. Um. Anyways, the the other one, Mike. God yeah. dang it. Shit. That was our one way. <laughs> Google real quick. Or dildo. Babe, how do I get on the dildo. internet? <laughs> Use dildo. Gosh, she's smart. Um, so both shows are not about a virus turning people into zombies and then what do we do about the zombies? Mm-hmm. The way like The Walking, Walking Dead, Dead right. was. right, And the way that... 28 Days Later and World War Z and all of those these shows in our recent memory that were these virus outbreak shows, the fear was the virus taking over the world, mm-hmm. turning everyone into zombies. Mm-hmm. Now we've got to deal with these fucking zombies. Right. Right? Which is kind of fun to think about. Yeah. You know? I mean, I feel like we do pretty well. Yes. In that situation. Give us a prison to hold up in. and <laughs> Some would even suggest I have actually wished for that. <laughs> to liven things up a bit. Some might even suggest that you've done experiments in your garage to try to bring, up, bring, up, bring on the zombie apocalypse. But uh, it's just hearsay. Know. Uh, in Minecraft. These new shows are not about the zombies. They're about the government. Interesting. Because that's what scares me the most too. So totally. to go back, like the I don't want that. Yeah, zom- but, I don't want that apocalypse. Yeah. So like, the, uh, just take the zombies. Right. So the OG movies, like I grew up, I'm I'm a fanatic for horror movies. Mm-hmm. Have been since I was a little kid, and I grew up on like the Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead, all those old ones. And it was solely about people versus the zombies. Now there, and then the most. My favorite book when I was a kid was Stephen King's The Stand, was a contagion, a virus um, that just wiped out, I think, like, I don't know, 90-something percent of humanity. What made that book so interesting is everyone's, like, reaction to it. It's like, yes. okay, like, now what do we do? Like, the, what, how the government try to cover it up? You know, how the, the complete, like, authoritarian crackdown of just, like, mowing people down that were, you know what I mean, freaking out about this mm-hmm. contagion, whatever. That's what really got interesting to me. And I think these new, but even in the stand, it didn't, the government didn't take a central role in that book. That was only in the beginning when you, they, they they inflated it a little bit. They made a, uh, a very (laughs) Stephen King is a magnificent writer and is just notorious for making the worst movies ever. (laughs) He just like slaughters them for some reason. They get super campy and weird. So he made a mini series of the stand that was in the nineties with Rob Lowe. And then that you didn't think that was good. I, well, I was holding it to the standard of the book and which you cannot do. No, of course. The way it was done though, was very interesting. I like, I won't say they're bad. He has a style. Did he make it or did 
someone else know. make it for I'm him. Sure. I've always assumed that some other people make his movies. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Anyways, we're getting off track. Okay. The the point that I wanted to that I even thought about this is that the what's in the zeitgeist right now is totalitarianism is scarier than zombies. Absolutely. Give me zombies any day of the week. Yeah. I mean, that would kind of be fun, especially if they walk slowly like they do in The Walking Dead. Yeah, when zombies started running nude, it was like, movies started getting really good. Yeah, <laughs> like World War Z, they're fucking 28 days fast. later, you're like, oh, this changes everything. Yeah, seriously. And then you do need an AR or two. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I feel like what's happening right now, what people are feeling, what people are afraid of, and it's showing up in popular culture is the government's this is the government these shows are surrogates for government power and in especially in utopia the one with john cusack it's government private par- public partnerships mm-hmm. you know the government and this uh biotech company that he in the in that's the movie a, he's the that's a wild fanciful notion yeah, isn't it? I know. Who would ever think of something like that? And it's just interesting. I don't know um, <coughs> that it necessarily means that people are going to uh, start coming around our way of thinking on on things like that. But it's, I think it shows that it's in the zeitgeist. The same way that I think, you know, guns are really, really popular in America, mm-hmm. despite what anti-gun people would have you believe. Uh, yeah, relative to the rest of the world, absolutely. Well, you just look at all of our movies. We're obsessed yeah. with guns. It's like everyone knows that guns are really fun. Every kid, every little boy, anyways, is obsessed with guns. Yeah, they just can't help it. They're I'm, so. I, I'm raising a boy. Yes, <laughs> and you, very you obvious. once, you once were one. Yes, and you probably loved guns as much as I did. I mean, I made every stick into a gun. My son Junior had a collection of sticks, like six sticks in his room, just like branches. That were his guns, his gun collection, <laughs> before he had a huge collection of Nerf guns. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> anyways, uh, it's interesting to me and something that I, I don't have a conclusion to report on, but it is kind of, it's interesting to see. Yeah. And it makes me, I, I have to tell this story of being out the other night, because um, what brought us to this topic was talking about people being, um, uh, Easily, what were you saying? That people were like easily, uh, something made me think of this, easily convinced about um, the media that they see. Yeah. And being kind of, you know, we're all, we we talk about people as being sheep all the time. Right. Or cattle or whatever. Yeah. I think the the most common point that we end up coming back to is like if you sit down and take stock of what your opinions are on any like spectrum of issues. And they all magically line up with exactly what corporate mainstream media is telling you. It's you need to sit down and maybe reassess your critical thinking skills and really think about with what prism are you view, viewing the world. It's it's it would be a statistical anomaly if that was a complete coincidence. Okay, perfect. So you're either critically thinking about things or you're being you're spoon feeding yourself or so, someone's spoon feeding you. Perfect. Get a load of this. So we were at the Toad in the Hole the other night because they were closing, going out of business. Mm-hmm. And it was the last nighttime that they were going to be open. I was there with a bunch of soccer friends and just the place was pretty packed. Yeah. There was a 
a line formed. So it's it was it was like too deep at the bar, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know if you've ever been to a bar, you kind of understand how a bar works. You walk up to the bar, find the place that looks like you're going to have the best kind of real estate to catch the attention yes. of the person tending the bar so that you can get a drink, right? Well, this fucking line forms. Do you know where like the server yeah. station is? Right. The and the, a line forms and goes like out like out to the door basically. Wow. And a bunch of people start standing in this line. Meanwhile, normal people <laughs> are still walking up to the bar to get drinks. This and is I'm just such standing a great metaphor. In the back <laughs> in the corner of the bar looking at this line and I'm just like, "What the fuck? That's not moving. Are you people doing?" <laughs> It's like, I mean, just picture any bar, any random bar. You just walk up to it and find one spot in the in the bar to start forming a line. I, this would probably work in in a lot of places. Definitely where we live, I think people are more prone to I was just this kind of we thinking. We should start going around to different places, like get four or five of us. and Just, just start stand standing in a line, line and, just and see what happens. People like, file behind us. People will line up behind you. What was happening is people were walking into the place. Yeah. People that have presumably been to bars before. In fact, some of them were regulars. I saw people standing in that line that were regulars. In fact, one of the people in in the line owned a bar. I was going to say, it wasn't the bartender he got from no. the, behind the bar. <laughs> He's just like, oh my God, there's oh, a line. Shit, a line. What? Ah, well, I guess I better stand in it. What are you yeah. guys waiting for? The new iPhone? I mean, what, what yeah. are you doing in this line? <laughs> it was so bizarre. And I was saying to my friends who were with me, I was like, are you guys seeing what's happening yeah. right now? Do you guys getting a load of this? People are just are walking into the pub, seeing a line, and just drawn like a moth to a flame to this line to go stand in it. What the fuck is wrong with you people? It's it's the inertia and absence of critical thinking. It's, it has been yeah. just blasted out of people's minds. The critical you are not allowed to be a, if you don't stand in that line, you're a conspiracy theorist, right? <laughs> you're a right wing white supremacist for not standing in this line. I really feel like people's well, what's the line for? I don't know. It, people's ability to think critically has been just That's not only true. not only been it's been neglected, it's been shamed, and it's been turned into an evil. And I think that people are really really sensitive right now. I mean, I it's seems like I'm going out on a limb saying stretching this right now, but I really think that people's brains, the same way that people's brains were broken by Trump, they were broken by COVID, people are really, really sensitive right now to thinking outside the box and being, yeah. you know, uh, contrarian, right. contrarians to, to the what's going on around them. And I just think that that's, there's no reason, I've never seen that before in my life. There's no reason that you would stand in line at a bar. I've been I've been going to that bar for 15 years. Yeah. They just shut down after 15 years of operation, maybe more. I've never seen a line there. All of a sudden, on the last night that they're open, a line forms and people are drawn to the line, including a person who used to own a bar in Santa Rosa. That's interesting. And I was talking to him afterwards. I was like, dude, what the fuck were you doing standing in that line? Are you insane? Have you never been to a bar before? You owned a bar. Why would you stand in that line? And he's like, I don't know. I just, I mean, I saw the line. I just figured that. We we're supposed to stand in the fucking line. I was like, <laughs> what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Dude, it's fucking sad. It seems like I'm going off on a fucking thing that doesn't need to be gone off on, but it's fucking sad. That's the state of affairs that we're living in right now. Is, um, okay, first off, deep breath. Hey, 
we go. Happy place. Happy place. <laughs> no, you're right. I think what you too. are <laughs> what okay, you are talking to uh, alludes back to the same kind of psychological component that we talk that I think infiltrates many of the same things that we bring up on this podcast, and that is just the this weird blind allegiance to what everyone else is doing. Yes, and it's the same. Think about it like this, because this is something that we talk about all the time is we're constantly trying to kind of, I don't know, dissect the the psychology of the statist and the collectivist. And I think yes. you're talking about yes. this immediate, Preach. these immediate like negative connotations that come your way or even like aggressiveness by being a contrarian or asking questions or stepping out of line. And the notion of the, the statist out of and line. the collectivist go like, our ideas only work if everyone is on board, mm-hmm. right? If one of you people fucking crack this Da Vinci code and go like, well, I could just walk to the bar and get a beer. Everyone in line is like, oh, fuck. Like this, now this system doesn't work. We're going to sit yeah. here and stand in this line forever. And you look at them going like, well, that's on you, my man. Yes. <laughs> like, you're the one standing in line. No one's making you stand in that line. This line was you not guys, a thing yesterday. You guys walked in and had this immediate psychological inclination. Like, I better stand nuts to butt with the fucking guy in front of me and we're just going to stand here. Yeah. I'm just going to obey. It's a, it's a perfect fucking metaphor for statism. It is. Yeah, it is. They're, they're not having to, it's kind of like that, uh, that person who got the, the tattoo yeah. and then it showed up on, um, 4chan and they said, Oh look, the cattle are branding themselves. Right. You're, you're enforcing a rule on yourself that it does not need to be enforced in the name of equity. Right. Because if we all stand in line, then everyone suffers equally. Rather than everyone actually doing what's most efficient in this situation, which you've done in every bar you've ever gone into for your entire life, every day up until today. Right. No, we're all going to stand in this line. And when someone breaks this rule and walks up to the bar like we were doing, looking at them like, what is wrong with you idiots? We would walk up to the bar and get service. Yeah. They would look and say, oh, yeah, well, it's just society is breaking down now. <laughs> that's it. It's the breakdown of society. Well, that, no, yesterday that, this was not society. Yesterday everyone walked up to the bar. Today there's this line, and now your whole uh, your whole paradigm is this line. Right. It's exactly you're, you're right. That's exactly what that, it is. The line was an apt metaphor for the way that someone that would stand in that line, the way that they would perceive society. They go, oh, society's breaking down. When someone else walks in, like this is not efficient. No, this there, is there's not a better society. Way, there's a better way to do this. Not only that, the people that you are waiting for to serve you drinks is not addressing this line. I don't know if you guys noticed. Like they're, right. they're, they're conducting business just as they have for the last 364 days of this year. You guys all getting in this line doesn't change that paradigm. It's, that is a perfect metaphor it for is. collectivism. It is. It's like, uh, yeah, socialism is the line and the bar – that they spent money on and they built it and designed it in a way to serve as many people as possible is the free market. Right. And what you've done is you just completely trashed everything that they've invested into their business by standing in a line. If that's all you're going to do, then all you need is a kiosk to sell beer. You don't need a bar. Yeah. So what we're getting at kids is that you're going (laughs) to learn a lot more about society by going to bars instead of going to college. (laughs) That is a true statement. So I want to bring up, this is, I, I'm going to bring up something fairly uh, inane and ridiculous and which would seem superficially uh, vacuous and stupid, but uh, I feel like I have to address the Chinese spy balloon 
<laughs> recently some magically infiltrated our national sovereignty. And I, I, I'm bringing this up because it uh, sent me on a, a little bit of a thought journey that I thought was kind of interesting. In terms of um, the discussions about whether military. or not to shoot down this balloon, um, that was uh, an option, right? And so that was something uh, that was taken into consideration. Uh, again, because we assess that currently it does not pose a physical uh, or military risk to people on the ground, uh, for now we're continuing to monitor and review options. Okay, so this was right before they shot it down. They have since shot it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the bare bones of this, this came into the country right around, uh, I think, over the state of Montana. Once I got over the Carolinas, so it almost got to the East Coast, they decided to shoot it down. Uh, what I thought was interesting about this, not the actual story, I just what set me on this journey is I have a good friend who's kind of checked out from all media, uh, willingly and purposefully <laughs> attempts to, at all costs, avoid any kind of input. Yeah. Um, which is part of the reason why it makes him like a very endearing person to be around. And so, but he'll hit me up. He's like, all right, the weather balloon, what's your take? Yeah. And so I went like, I, you know what? I don't have one and I just don't care. I just, I, I don't understand. I don't know why, why would I care about this? So what China, that China has a, I don't know, a balloon for quote unquote research going over our country. Did you say Baroon? Baroon. <laughs> Definitely not a spy Baroon. <laughs> well, I'm not getting on YouTube now. And uh, <laughs> so what me, I started thinking about it. I was like, why do I instinctively not care? Why do I like, I'm really interested because I'm not checked out like this guy. Like I'm really interested in stuff. Like constantly like researching, you know, what some people would call, you know, fringe ideas. But I'm just like interested because I, I like the conversation and I like the thought exercise that it sends you through. And the what turned me off, I had to kind of reverse engineer my own psychology. I was like, uh, when I see all corporate media and social media and uh, just, just call it, you know, the propaganda wing of the cathedral tie themselves in knots to all just like rabidly address this one thing. I just go like, it's probably bullshit. Like, there's a reason why. Yeah. Like, what are they, like, you're telling me everyone finds this equally yeah. interesting and puts right. everything else we've been talking about, uh, COVID and Ukraine, everything just whoosh, shove it off the plate. Like, we're talking about this Chinese spy balloon all of a sudden. <clears throat> Although COVID and Ukraine and racism and every the topic du jour January 6th Jan 6th is does the same thing it wipes everything else off the map we yeah. can oh, we're, now we're all focused on yeah. hey everybody like time to focus on racism exactly yeah. exactly and we'll get you know all the other topics that we just talked about like oh we definitely come back to those but there's this weird concerted like fixation like this is what we're talking about now, and this is what we're talking about now, mm-hmm. done by the media. It plays into our bread and circuses conversation Exa- dude, pretty easily. You yeah. are one step ahead of me because, yeah, at the end of this, I'm like, at, at, at the end of the day, it's all fucking bread and circuses. This yeah. is bread and circuses. Is that people that get fixated on stuff like that and then go look down their nose at like, oh, you're going to watch sports? I was like, well, what's the difference? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You're watching CNN? Like that's got some kind of value over the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's totally, it's all bread and circuses. It's like, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. And so when I find 
this debate reaches this fever pitch. And then from there, like kind of subcategories. So we have the issue and which is balloon gate this week. And all of a sudden it's like, now we got the Republican response and the Democrat response. There's no, I mean, we endlessly are preaching about the, is the, the illusion of the, the two party illusion is that's a uniparty, but they're going to pretend to like go back and forth. And so you have like, uh, you know, AOC takes to Twitter, like, Want, you know the GOP's fascination with shooting down this balloon is is rooted in white supremacy and colonialism. <laughs> it's like Trump claps back on truth. It's like AOC doesn't care about national sovereignty, you know. And then like Ilhan Omar, like Trump's comments are rooted in misogyny. And it's just like it's this volley of fucking stupidity. It's the most the the most yep. absurd world, you know, the world's most absurd game of tennis. And you just like have this visualization of like most of these people in the U.S. who Take in corporate media, just watching those fucking idiot volleys just go back and forth, go back and forth. This, this is what we're supposed to talk about. This is what we're supposed to talk about. It's sad because the whole world, because the U.S. is so important to the world, thanks to yeah many factors, the petrodollar and just the U.S.'s kind of stature in the world, the whole world takes it in too. Yeah. Like if this was just like happening in Australia – we yeah. would look at it and be like, God, how ridiculous. Yeah. No, the whole world is like, wow, this is really important. It's really important that uh, Ilhan Omar is crying in <laughs> in Congress about you know, racism. Marrying her brother. It's oh, like, racism. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. So, but so this, this, so that's, that would be the low hanging fruit of just, you know, pointing fun at like how ridiculous that people just buy into the shit and they take in the narrative and like, this is the reality and this is what the conversation is about. And the Chinese uh, spy balloon and all this fucking nonsense (laughs) is why, why like I took it like a level further. It's like, why do I really not care about this? Cause like what, let's, let's just take this, this story on his face and let's just, pick apart a few things. <clears throat> so why would, why would the Chinese send a spy balloon over the U S right? Cause they're going to get like surveillance surveillance. I mean, why wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the Chinese, uh, the U S is rife with Chinese spies. They're in our universities that are in our tech. They're having um, sex they're with, our with our Congress, Congress people. Swalwell. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't like you for your looks, but sorry. <laughs> so, and so what to enhance their this wildly complex spy program, they're going to send up uh, what looks like a easily discoverable weather balloon and take a bunch of aerial photos. Like, do they not have Google Maps in China? I'm guessing they do. Like any information that they would have got from the spy balloon. Balloon. Yeah. I'm sure they, they already have it at this point. So it's like. Yeah. What, so, so people freaking out of like, this is crazy breach and like national security like is it really right really what are they really what are they pulling off so this made me you know and then of course as i was saying before like democrats are like don't shoot it down this act of aggression and then republicans are all shoot it down and that becomes a debate and people get like fixated on that debate and it's just all nonsense it really made me think i started thinking like why are we just getting fixated on like these kind of like non-stories i feel like i'm on the sidelines as we were saying before and like Yes. Who who gives a shit? Like, who great gives a shit about great this? fucking point, dude. Yeah. I, what? A, sorry. Just yeah. to yeah, I got to jump in and just give you props. Like the real story is that it's not a fucking story. Exactly. Everyone's exactly. making it a fucking story. Yes. I think you're absolutely right about that. 
I hadn't considered that angle. So and I was trying to think like, what's the angle? What, what do they really want us to, it's like, no, it's purely, it could very well be just pure distraction. Like here's something happening. Look over here. Yeah. Look, shiny, look at the shiny object. Yeah. Look at the exactly. shiny object. Thank you, China. Thank God they sent the accidentally. <laughs> thank God that like university in China accidentally let their weather balloon get out of control and fly <laughs> and over and America. If it was a spy balloon. It comes in through the northern border. We address it as a spy balloon from the pan- the Pentagon says this. Like, oh, it's obviously a spy balloon. And then they pat themselves on the back, what, four or five days later, after it basically goes across the contiguous US and makes it, you know, now that you're at the coast, we're gonna shoot you down. Like if Woo-hoo! it's a spy balloon, like why are you congratulating yourselves on this? It's like, totally. <laughs> thank God it didn't get to spy on the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Proof of plate tectonics off the coast here. <laughs> but anyway, going back to the the media and the and thus the people's fixation on these kind of stories slash non stories as the way I see them is it made me think um, and ride with me here for a second. But when we've talked about several times the CIA and the MK Ultra and what the MK Ultra programs were about was a trauma based mind control was to just. I mean, they were trying to literally do that, blasting your mind, like destroying your mind so they could rebuild it in their image, you know, to make you a, whatever, a Manchurian candidate or, or make you commit a crime or whatever, you know, whatever they were trying to do, mind control, basically. And as we look, th- you know, look through history, you know, it becomes obvious that the easiest way to subjugate a population is keeping them in a constant state of fear, right? So we can look at uh, Stalin's Russia, uh, North Korea, you know, every, Cuba, every like insane, like despotic, um, authoritarian regime. It's like, you just, you gotta, you gotta scare the hell out of everyone. And then you will put them in such a constant state of fear that whatever directives you give them, they will go along with. It made me think about that. These bizarre stories that we just get fascinated with. Most of us with that, you know, this constant kind of like fear porn is like, it made me think of that trauma-based mind control that the CIA did. It's like our media is almost kind of doing that hmm. of like, we're going to keep you fixated like uh, on all these things, all those things, like these terrible things that could possibly happen. Totally. And so it, and it, it creates this low, this uh, it's on the lower level, not like how the CIA did, but on it, it's, it's a, a low grade vibration. Of oh yeah. Constant if it was a high grade anxiety, if it was super anxiety inducing, people would re- React to it, right? But it's like they'd a, make up something like uh, it's like you the, know a, this virus that was going to kill point zero three percent of you. Yeah, sometimes it's above the low grade, but no, it's basically like the maintenance buzz of fear, right? They right. just have you on a drip, drip, drip of fear. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm going to take it another level. Oh boy, <laughs> maybe start thinking. Okay. Oh, Maddie's been working alone a couple days this week, <laughs> just marinating in some thoughts. Well, you no longer have insomnia. You got to do something to <laughs> keep that mind going. <laughs> so it made me think that, okay, so if they are, and I'm not saying it's just like this one evil dude, you know, that dresses like a vampire and is from Germany and, you know, and has like a really Switzerland over the top Dallas accent. <laughs> yes. But. It's if there is a general understanding, the way that bureaucratic inertia works is like there's an understanding of the direction we're going. And then from there, we just all sign on. Right. Uh, Like of what a narrative is on like maybe Iraq or Ukraine or what the covid narrative is like, okay, here's a direction we're going. And all you plebs underneath, like you have a marching, write the articles, do the the TV spots, you know, do the social media and everything. 
is I started to think, I'm like, okay, so given, let's just assume that premise is true, that this is a very low-grade, constant, trauma-based mind control, right, of basically keeping the population in a constant state of fear and anxiety to enough of an extent that we can, you know, move, shift whatever narratives around to kind of keep everyone on the same page. I'm like, okay, given that that premise is true, you have to, what is it that, what's the distraction, right? If there's a distraction, you got to be distracting the people from something. From something else. Right. And this is just, I'm just kind of shooting from the hip here. This is what I was thinking about. I'm not saying this is what it is, but my mind jumped to like, what is one of the most, what's the most significant, like recent thing that has happened and that would be the pandemic is that they pulled off there's no bigger story than what has happened happened in the last three years like we locked down the world for a man-made virus that was less deadly than the flu and we convinced people that had no signs of being sick this is the greatest trick of all that they were sick it's like no you're sick you got COVID. you need to stay in your house you need to wear a mask you need to wear a mask yeah we convinced the entire world to comply with a visual representation of like this guy is in compliance and we not only that but we also manipulated people enough where they didn't enforce it on themselves so if you didn't yep. have that visual form of compliance like you can demonize that person and scream at them in the street and not let them go to a restaurant and try to get their kids kicked out of school and the whole deal and then for the final chapter of this wonderful saga they released a cure, quote unquote, that wasn't a cure. And like now we're finding out that cure is fucking killing people. Now that we're looking at life insurance actuary tables and I mean, seeing sports stars drop dead on TV. And I mean, just anecdotally, you're just hearing about people yeah. having heart attacks and strokes. Something's killing people. Exactly. We believe it's the air quotes vaccine. Right. Yeah. And then at the end, they come out. You know, going referring to what you were saying earlier, is they go, good news, uh, the emergency is over on May 15th or 19th, something like that. Like, we'll let you know. Like, you're welcome. It's like, that is, this is the greatest lie ever sold, is totally. what we're looking at. And so I really am starting to view everything that happens in media as basically the shiny object that keeps people like, e- you can't think about this other thing. Right. Cause, and, and that other thing, I mean, was all just the ridiculous bullshit that happened up through the pandemic, but the fucking trophy, the like level 10 of this whole thing is all these people dying from the vaccine, which is in the vaccine. I think that's like a really good test. So if you find media being obsessed with something, ask yourself, what's the most important thing mm-hmm. that's happening right now? And if you're being honest and you're somewhat informed, you're, you're going to come back to like a few basic things, right? Like the COVID pandemic, the Federal Reserve printing trillions of dollars, yeah. robbing us blind, right? That is a core driver of just about everything. So on that note, I do not have it in front of me to get into it, but then you can go to another level. And this is, I'm stealing someone else's work at this point, but they're saying that, just as I'm saying, the, all this is a distraction from the COVID pandemic and the vaccine. They're saying the COVID pandemic is a cover up for that. We are looking at a global financial crash. Yeah. Due to you. Know, well, you I think that's to there. Yeah. Exactly. I, I personally, I would say that everything is related to money printing. Yeah. I think you can reduce everything to that. Right. That is the core driver. It's how. Uh, 
the political elite, these democratic elites that we've elected are stealing from us. It's how they stay in power. It's how they do the things that they do, such as this, uh, sponsoring this uh, war in Ukraine that we're all paying for and we're all going to pay for again when World War Three, Which is also a giant money laundering operation. It's, yeah, it's all, it all, I personally think everything can be reduced down to that, but I think there's, I there's, there's a few layers under that that you could still look at and say like, these are the core issues that we're, we're being distracted by when all of this bullshit that they're, they're bringing up in the media is happening. Like, I mean, the, actually, hold on. I have to have this uh, guy, there's this guy who has a horse that he needs to sell, mm. and I was going to go talk to him. I think I have the it, same thing for sale. That appoint, appointment is happening right now. All right, enough of whatever we were talking about before. We have uh, bigger fish to fry. Yes. Bigger eggs to fry. Eggs to fry. <laughs> would be. <laughs> Never thought I'd be saying this, but let's take a few minutes and talk about the humble egg. All so, right. So here's how it begins. I know you have thoughts on this too, because you yeah. and I have kind of developed this together. Well, I brought, I, I brought this up to you initially. Okay. I'm going to take it one step before that. Okay. In that. We w- grew up on the notion that eggs were really good for you. They are perfect protein, and you should, you know, eggs every day. And then this new food pyramid comes out, and the eggs are on the bottom, below things like Lucky Charms and all these like processed foods. They're saying like eggs are to rarely be eaten, mm-hmm. and which I think we based will, on the food compass, <laughs> based on this new food compass. So, which we called bullshit on we're like this food whatever this food compass makes no sense at all yeah. like, like if you gave this to me like feed your kid like this i'd be like get fucked no way i'm not feeding my kid according to this chart um i just anecdotally know that eggs are a great food i mean that's eggs beef whole milk avocados is probably 90 percent of my diet and it seems to be working pretty decently yeah, you're in good shape, dude. Thank you. Appreciate that. I just said, would it would it kill you to wait till like almost the end of the podcast to say things like that? Yeah, you know, I can't just seem too eager. It's, <laughs> we're gay enough as it is, rolling around <laughs> in each other's sweat <laughs> every other week. <laughs> uh, from Jiu Jitsu, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so from there, what happened? Then we started uh, in our little wingnut circles. The egg talk started to become kind of a hot topic. Well, it came up because our uh, our beloved uh, fellow jujitsu enthusiast Eli, mm-hmm. who sends me the most wingnut conspiracy theory stuff out there, yeah, uh, sent, started sending me this stuff about chickens not laying eggs, right? And at first, I was pretty skeptical. Yes, so I was like, "Well, it's winter time; chickens don't really lay eggs uh-huh. in the winter time." Yes. Right. I've I've had chickens for a long time now. They never really produce in the winter. Although I do remember them producing some eggs. Right. 
in the winter, which you, that's what prompted the discussion you and I had. Cause I too have had chickens for mm-hmm. a very long time and we haven't had them since we moved to our new house. We're getting them. We're waiting till the spring. Yeah. When I brought it up to you, you were like, eh, chickens don't really lay eggs. In yeah. The they slow down the winter. And I was like, yeah, they do. They, you, you do get some, but you get some. Yeah. I haven't gotten any goddamn eggs. Right. And I know that a lot of the conspiracy theory going around and all of the videos that you see on TikTok and and Instagram, whatever, are saying that the chickens haven't laid since laid since September. The chickens haven't laid since August. Chickens haven't laid since June. Mm-hmm. I'm skeptical of that because the human brain is really good at filling in blanks to make stories work. So Absolutely. I'm like, oh, really? Because I, I don't remember personally if they right. weren't laying and. I feel like it's just been this winter that they haven't been laying. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go August, September. I, I would say November probably. They stopped laying right. eggs. But to the point of of this conspiracy, they have not laid a single fucking egg. Right. Since then. Yeah. Because you taught you were telling me that, and I was like, yeah, it's the winter time. I'm like, well, Joey's like, like they lay a little bit. You know yeah. I mean, they I mean they slow down like drastically. Usually, it's you know each one's producing an egg a day more or less. Yeah. There's a reason why they have. Uh, lights and heat and thing you know, to yeah. to get chickens to lay during the winter. There are, there are programs you can look it up on the internet to get your chickens to lay during the winter because in the winter time they tend not they tend to slow down. And it's probably not good for them to lay all your correct around anyway. So you wouldn't want to torture all of your chickens with daylight. But even in places like don't be getting in there and playing avian god. All right, yeah, <laughs> let exactly. nature take its course. Okay. That being said, our point, our roundabout way of you know bringing this up is that, but <laughs> but that being said, is that we were skeptical, like oh, it's, I don't know, it's it's wintertime and everything, and then it was very very odd because you and I were having a beer and talking about this, and I, I didn't think much of it, and then I was going through some of my usual wingnut sources, and all, a lot of talk here about like chickens not laying eggs all of a sudden, and it's all like homesteaders and people with, you know, per, private coops or whatever. We're not talking like, like on an industrial level. Okay. We are going to have three or four streams of thought that I need you to help me push all in the same direction because they're all going to come together at the end. But we're going to have several different elements, you know, many ingredients in this cake, I mm-hmm. guess we could say. So at that same time, uh, we have a place here in California called Costco, which is like a Walmart, but for grocery stores, I guess you could call it. Pretty sure they have Costco everywhere in the world. Dude. Do they? Okay. No idea. They have it in Mexico. Well, funny you say it. I've never been to a Costco before. This is the first time I've been to a Costco. My wife goes there all the time and she requested it as our kind of weekend date. Like I have to go to Costco. Why don't you come with me? Um, it was a miserable experience. It was, <laughs> it was fucking awful. I try to my best to stay out of giant chain stores. Did but, you get any snacks? Uh, I did. Uh, they had a good deal on prosciutto, which me and my son enjoy. Mm. So yeah, we got bulk prosciutto. Nice. But we went, uh, this is such a, uh, large store, the egg, there's like an egg room. You walk into a room and it's all eggs, completely empty. There was no eggs. I was like, kind of, I mean, I'm used to like kind of supply chain stuff, but I told him, I was talking to my wife and I was saying, it's, you hear the stories of like Venezuela and uh, Soviet Russia and uh, North Korea is like on another level, but of all these where the, the, the system has failed, the government has failed, the, the, the economic policies have failed. And it's not that you don't have money, but even if you do have money, the shit's just not available. I was like, it's weird to see that 
in the U.S., which uh, it made me reflect, like, uh, you know, on, like, how maybe, like, comfortable and complacent we are. Like, I never thought I'd see the time of my lifetime where, like, no, you can't buy eggs. Like, I don't care how much money you have. There, there are no eggs at this point. Yeah. I mean, that's just not using Costco as a metaphor for, you know, the entire California economy or whatever. But it's just – it was very interesting to me, especially since we live – 17 miles north of the egg capital of the world, Petaluma, California. Right. You would think that getting eggs like wouldn't be... Well, just to throw a little bit of a, you know, a mirror up to what you're saying, mm-hmm. at, at our local grocery store, Lucky's, mm-hmm. the egg situation is normal. Mm-hmm. And there's no sign up, because I keep hearing about signs, like one limit, one carton per customer or yeah. whatever. The eggs are normal. So there. So yeah, you can do shop shopping around. You can find eggs, or there are eggs that exist. But when it's not the, Venezuela level yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Not yet. <laughs> so, but but <laughs> the egg egg the price of eggs has raised to all, almost by seventy percent just in the last mm-hmm. year alone, right? Um, and so I think it's out of control. It, it wouldn't be too outside of bounds to say like you know we're not. You could call it an egg shortage, but you can't call it an egg shortage when, when prices reach that level. It's like when gas you know, becomes almost $7 a gallon. It's like, well, kind of economically, that becomes a shortage almost because you're limiting like how much you're going to take into that product. You can still get it, like you're saying. You could go yeah. to your Luckies and get eggs. So I did a little digging. Do you know uh, <laughs> our buddy Bill Gates? He invested in 2013 into a company called Hampton Creek which was the company they have since changed their name. And they were going to bring, in 2013, the, 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 the marketplace, you know, the, the population's first uh, synthetic egg, right? So Bill Gates, uh, depopulationist, uh, let's say eugenist, and World Economic Forum uh, <laughs> conspirator saying, like, we need to get off all these animal products. We need to get off milk and eggs, and we, we definitely need to start eating meat. We need to eat the bugs. Mm-hmm. Is As soon as he invested in this company and they developed the first synthetic egg to bring to the market in 2013, 2015 or 16, it was roughly two years after that, a global pandemic avian bird flu was declared and they killed millions of chickens. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember this, but the price of eggs skyrocketed. This was when? Then. This was either 2015, 2016. It was okay. roughly, he invested in this company in 2013, and it was roughly two to three years right after that. Okay. At the same time, as we've talked about on this podcast, Bill Gates has become the largest private farmland owner in the u.s he has aggressively been buying up farmland all over the place which is kind of odd because someone you know which which includes cattle and dairy land right and have someone who comes out and quote unquote the if we put vaccines in our food supply we can solve the issue of vaccine hesitancy that should worry you a little bit Mm -hmm. if you have any questions about the vaccine at all so have you been following the all the food production and animal processing facilities that have been burning down? I have been. Lately? I found a list. This is in just the first three months of 2022. I mean, I'm not going to go through this whole list, but I have 300,000 chickens destroyed in Missouri, 
644,000 chickens destroyed in Cecil, Maryland, a million. And this is from destroyed how? Uh, fires, or they just culled the herd. They're saying, like, oh, there's like a virus or a pandemic, and they just killed them all. Okay, because I, I, there is a bird flu happening mm-hmm. right now that's uh, responsible for a lot of the killing of chickens. These were, destro- I think it's important. These were destroyed in- by man, though. No, I know. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm not. I, I think it's important to separate the two. I think it's two separate things. Mm-hmm. It's worth talking about in two separate ways. There's yeah, birds being killed. And birds being set on fire. Right. Yeah. So I have uh, even the last one on this list. This is on May of 2022. Three million chickens destroyed by fire enforcement facility in Stockholm Township, Minnesota. We just had one just last month in New Hampshire where 100,000 chickens, over 100,000 chickens were lost um, due to the fire bring the facility down. Now, this is something the other tour guides won't tell you. We're just going to ask some questions here. Okay. Right? So you were saying, we're going to do a little anecdotal thing. Your chickens stopped laying. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have been theorizing is that there's two companies that make the bulk up of privately owned chicken feed. Correct. Right? And that is <clears throat> Purina and Tractor Supply. Mm-hmm. And you were saying your chickens stopped laying, and then you changed the feed, and they laid, at least temporarily. Yep. They did produce eggs. So the two most popular brands of chicken feed, not industrial feed, are called Producers Pride by Tractor Supply and Doomer by Purina. I'm sure there's others, but the bulk of these of the privately uh, private chicken feed suppliers are by these two companies. Quick sidestep. World Economic Forum. What are their main agendas? It's to stop eating meat. You're going to eat the bugs. It's depopulation. We need to get the population down or cull the population. And it's climate change and ESG. Do you remember the episode that we did about um, what was basically the official hedge fund of the World Economic Forum, BlackRock and Vanguard, Larry Fink, Mm -hmm. the guy that owns the world, they call it. Mm -hmm. He has more assets under BlackRock and Vanguard going through his company than any other place in the entire world. He has his hands in like every single pot. Mm -hmm. And he also has the exact same agenda as the World Economic Forum of like, we need, and again, we need to clarify when we talk about these things that it's not them. They're talking about you. You need to stop eating meat. You need to not have private property. You know, you need to, you're, you know, this cli- uh, carbon footprint nonsense. You need to not have your own car. It's, they're basically trying to subjugate the population. And meat, as, as it pertains to this discussion, meat and eggs, more specifically, is what we're talking about. I looked up, <laughs> this is a little strange, but because I'm a weirdo, the tractor supply, they call it the producer's pride, which is the the highest selling brand of chicken feed for uh, private chicken owners. Um, tractor supply is a publicly listed company, and they do around like $13 billion in revenue, and I think they have over 2,000 locations, over 46,000 employees. And I looked at their board of directors, just because I'm a fucking weirdo, and this name popped up, Joy Brown. And I looked at her resume. She's also one of the – she's an executive at Vanguard. I'm like, 
that's fucking kind of interesting is if we're going down the conspiracy route that the chicken feed is making chickens not have, not lay eggs. Right. That's the assertion. That's the assertion. And she's also uh, an executive at one at Vanguard, who is basically the, the the hedge fund of the World Economic Forum, who's trying to get you to. I'm not saying like this wasn't my aha moment. I figured it out. Like I'm Alex Jones, but it's interesting to me when we look into these things and the same fucking names pop up: Larry Fink and Klaus Schwab and Yuval Harari and BlackRock and Vanguard. It's that is very interesting to me. So then I started looking into the lineage of depopulation. So we're talking about Bill Gates. So if we work backwards from Bill Gates, we have Bill Gates, we have Bill Gates Sr., who basically helped start Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger, sat on the board. Both of those guys were outspoken eugenicists. They were groomed by Henry Kissinger. If you look up the resume of Henry Kissinger, he's very – like it looks like the Antichrist turned into his resume. Like – um you know, overthrowing, overseeing the CIA operations that overthrew like multiple democratically elected governments in South America. And if you want, like probably one of the worst things he's done is he oversaw the Napalm and Asian Orange campaigns in Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos that are basically resulted in the deaths of millions of people. And we're still seeing birth effects to this day. Like it does not get worse than this guy. Also like a very outspoken uh, depopulationist and he was groomed by David Rockefeller who outright said like we need to cull the planet like we need to cull the herd much like they are culling the the, the chicken herd now they're getting rid of chickens have you seen this spike protein article this is where I'm getting at this is the very last part did you get that one about chicken egg yolk antibodies Block the binding of multiple SARS COVID two spike protein variants. Yeah, the article that James sent us. Right. Did you read into that at all? You mean after you sent it to us? <laughs> and then James sent <laughs> yes, it? Yes. <laughs> so let's let's revisit that real quick. So I sent you guys an article to read, and his response was to send us the article. The same article. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Can't stress that enough. <laughs> James, pay attention. All right. It's not just a one way street here on the text thread, okay? <laughs> Point being, would it be too far out of bounds to at least consider the idea that Bill Gates, outspoken depopulationist, buying up, now becoming the largest private farmland owner in the U.S., we have all in the U.S., and I cross-reference the state, almost every state that these fires and culling of the herds happened are it you can get there's a diagram that shows which states that he owns all this land in they're almost all in states where bill gates owns the land and i can't find that information that was actually private property that he had but i mean he owns like tens of thousands of acres in some of these states i'm i'm un <clears throat> let me just i'm gonna insert this now okay i'm gonna let you get to the end and then i'll give you my kind of take on it but I'm skeptical. Yeah, should be of all this. Yeah, as it's my job to be. Yeah, right. I'm skeptical of every fucking thing I ever hear. So, yes. uh, yeah, but I. You uh, see where I'm going with it? Then. I definitely do, and right. I want to hear. And uh, I, I, we don't, I, we don't talk before um, intentionally before these shows, so I don't, <laughs> I don't actually know where you're going. So I'm, I. This I'm very this, interesting. This is it's, not it's complete, very interesting. This, what you're saying so far, I'm very, I'm on the edge of my seat, 
and then I'm going to uh, retort to it, and I might push back on you a little bit. Just okay. So this you know. is this is not concrete like the Deagle statistics were, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> is it just I'm, I'm just posing the question: Is it outside the realm of possibility to consider that Bill Gates, depopulationist, vaccine fanatic? Right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Is buying up all this farmland, working with, or there's some kind of relationship where they put something in the chicken feed where they, they stop laying. I mean, there's an egg shortage. Something's causing it. Like, there, there's also a bird flu that's killing a bunch of chickens. Something's causing that too. The worst bird flu we've ever seen. That's what we're being told. We were told. Correct. Yeah. No, yeah. I have, I'm skeptical about that as well. Right. Right. And I don't believe anything. What's that? I don't believe yeah, you shouldn't anything, yeah, dude. <laughs> to quote Adam Carolla, like, dude, flat Earth. I'm willing to listen at this point. <laughs> like, holy hell! After the last three years, like everything's on the table at this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to convince me, but I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> and because this all kind of seemed little loosey goosey, and then when I saw this article of like the because what the quote, you know, quote unquote vaccine or experimental gene therapy is a spike protein basically being injected in you. And then all of a sudden we see that there's a study that chicken egg yolks block the binding of the multiple of the spike protein and Bill Gates fanatic, like, and we're looking on forum and Vanguard and BlackRock are all fanatically like we need shots in arms. Like I think that that's pretty obvious. We can we can agree on that, right? Mm-hmm. There is an agenda. Like even though like all there's v- voluminous data. Like okay, this shit doesn't work. And everyone's like, no, no, yeah. no. You got to take a shot. You need another booster. You need a, there's there's a weird there's there's a component here that doesn't make sense. And I don't I don't know if this is it, but we can admit like there's something else going on, and we don't know what that is. Well, that's what our and just a, a little sidestep again. Uh, our conspiracy mind is triggered when things don't make sense. Yes. Okay, so if you if the CDC is telling me something and it doesn't pass a logical test right. or like you call the, the walk, walk out, out the, the front, front door. door test. Right. If it doesn't hold muster in those situations, then I'm very very skeptical. Yes. Same thing with this conspiracy theories that our friends send to us. Like the my first instinct is like okay, what's the logic? Around this, yeah. does it make logical sense? The stuff that you're sending, and if if it doesn't, then I'm skeptical. Yeah, whether it's something coming from the CDC or something coming from Eli, I am going to hold it to the same standard, which is: does it make logical sense? Yeah. Is my basic working man, blue collar, you know, barely educated brain have a a red flag up like logical? test this doesn't make sense if it doesn't Mm -hmm. then i'm i'm gonna question it so and that i think that should be reassuring to people that are listening to us that we're not just on board with every conspiracy we're not we're not conspiracy theorists we are analysts exactly (laughs) we just are paying attention and asking questions right it doesn't matter to us where it's coming from or what the the going narrative is on it. We're going to question it. I mean, I mean, I am speaking for myself, and I think I'm speaking for you too. But I, I'm, we're going to question it. Yeah, I think uh, you and I were discussing that earlier this week, and I think the most succinct way that you put it is for us to look at at your basic mouth breather that watches NBC or MSNBC or Fox News all day and goes like, "Oh, well, that's the news," and we ridicule that and say like, "That's it. That's wholesale. You're not going to think about it." But then if we turn around and go like, hey, dude, but Alex Jones said this, like, that, that's the same guy. That yeah. is the same guy. 
Now, I'm more willing to listen to Alex Jones because of his track record. He's been, seems to get things more right. <laughs> Just not an opinion that many people say. By the way, he, uh, Alex Jones was talking about Jeffrey Epstein like 10 years ago. Have you ever seen this chart about things that Alex Jones was right about? Oh, yeah. Like he says some ridiculous bullshit. We did a whole episode on it. Yes. So um, I guess all I want to do is point out to this. Like I'm not making any connection. I'm just I'm, – I'm laying out the coincidences and the things that are connected. And like I say, when we talk about these things and it's just like the same names start popping up all of a sudden with – Bill Gates investing in the synthetic egg farm and this lady being an executive for Vanguard. And then we find this spike protein, how it, you know, how it's blocked by egg yolks and we're in this egg shortage all of a sudden. I just thought it was interesting to bring up if for anything, it's an interesting, Very uh, interesting. conversation piece you can drop at the next family dinner. Very coincidental. And stare at you in awkward silence. What did that article say specifically about the... The egg yolk, so for the lay person, myself included, the egg yolks actually... There's something in the egg yolk that blocks the the spike protein variants, which I cannot, and I'm not going to pretend... That's to a COVID that. thing? COVID, yeah. But, the, but the, the experimental gene therapy is a spike protein. And that's what Dr. Robert Malone is always saying. Like, so it's would a you, spike. It's a, and I, dude, you can't, you can't make me go too far down this road because I'll, okay. like, I, I just don't. I don't want to make it sound dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got that part covered. <laughs> but is it, does the egg yolk uh, make the uh, COVID vaccine, air quotes, not work? That's what I'm asking. Or does the, does the egg yolk, does this, prevent COVID from the COVID-19 virus from affecting you. What I guess I'm lightly proposing is if the COVID vaccine, the experimental gene therapy is a, is a, is a spike protein that gets turned on your body, which turns your body into a, essentially a vaccine factory, which that was the experimental gene therapy. And as to quote Robert Malone, the danger of the of the experimental gene therapy is like one is once it's That's the turn, mRNA the mRNA technology is once it's turned onto your body it can't be turned off and they're saying there's something about these these chicken egg yolks that can block that spike protein turning on. Okay, so your best defense is like the if you've the, taken the so most layman's <laughs> does this does this sound right? Like if you've gotten the vaccine and you're worried about it, eat a bunch of eggs. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, that's not going to happen because the eggs are in the short there supply. Are no eggs. <laughs> and so if you have chicken, moonlight flashing down the railroad track, blue smoke falling from the old smokestack, old blue train. Don't leave me behind. Blue steam flying from the blue choo choo, wheels winding along some blues, old blue train. Heartbreak Railroad Line